each Sunday morning when we come in here, it's something of a uh, family reunion. Uh, the family gets together once a week. The Bible says that if we are born again, if we are in Christ, we have been adopted, Romans chapter 8. And God is our Father, and Jesus is our brother. That's what the Bible says. So that's why we may at some times call one another brother or sister. When I pastored my first church back in 1996, a small town of about 200 people, and I gave my first little deposit at the bank, and the banker went to my church, and it was a small little town. They wrote out the receipts, and he wrote out that receipt, and he, uh, he said that receipt was to Brother Mark. Brother Mark. I never heard my dad call Pastor Atherton. It was always Brother Atherton. And that's very biblical because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. If we have been adopted, if God is your father and God is only your father through faith, through adoption, we've been adopted into that family. So every single Sunday is something of a family reunion. And if there's one thing you don't talk about a family, two things you don't talk about a family reunion, it's religion and politics. <laughs> right? Because Uncle Milton over there is going to get mad at you. Because his dad was a Democrat and his grandfather was a Democrat. And the Democrat Party is a party of the working man. <laughs> or you've got. Johnny over there, who's staunch conservative, even a little bit of libertarian. And those two things just don't sit well at family reunions. So when the family comes together, we don't really um, talk about religion and politics and how those two mesh very often. As I did research this week, and one of the things I usually do is just get on the internet and see what other preachers around are saying about this topic. And uh, you find amazingly a few messages on how Christians should deal in the political realm. And uh, maybe that's because the pastors know that they're going to um, step on people's toes. You know what I had a person say to me last night, a pastor in this district last night, as, as we went to the human trafficking thing and had over 800 people there last night in Cincinnati. And, and thank you for several of you all attending and You'll hear more about that later, but um, he asked what we're going to do with the building, and I was talking through some of that, and we'll talk through some of that to you all in a couple of weeks, and uh, I said, well, one cool thing is we've got Apex Church meeting in that. He goes, and that's a good thing? We're doing a good thing. We're doing a good thing. I met him over there again this week, and their senior pastor was there for the first time, and he said, thank you, and thank your congregation for your graciousness. We don't talk many times about difficult topics. We avoid them many times, and religion and how it mixes with politics is one of those, but you need to call me out if I don't talk about the difficult things because this book speaks to every area of our lives. We're not supposed to have this area over here that is devoid of politics or devoid void of some kind of issue. We're not supposed to have this area over here that Jesus can't get into. Jesus doesn't want your spiritual life. He wants your life. 
I remember one time when we were planning a church in Georgia, I went to this guy to talk about renting his, his building for our church. And he says, well, you know, I'm a Christian and all that. He says, but I keep my religion and my business separate. What? <laughs> what kind of a non-thinking statement is that? That person has no understanding of God's word. No understanding of the lordship of Jesus Christ. That he can be Lord over some areas, but not Lord over other areas. That I can pick and choose, which makes me sovereign. That I can pick and choose what areas I want him to be Lord over. Give me a break. So as we look into this area, Jesus wants control of our, of our lives. So the answer to the question, should a Christian be uh, interested in politics or even involved in politics? Yes. Gloriously, yes, yes. Because it's part of the life. Our life and, and God is God over all creation. There's not a single thing He is not sovereign over. So this issue must be talked about, and you need to call me out if I don't hit these difficult issues and just talking about pie in the sky, goosebumpy little things. People have already given me ideas for the next hot topics series, and I appreciate your emails on that. I've gotten several emails from last week's message on abortion. I'll read you this and I'll get started. This has all been, this doesn't cost anything, everything that's happened before that's just prelude. I'm writing you today concerning abortion I had several years ago. I learned a lot from this experience because it made me realize how making right choices is very important. I chose to have an abortion because I was raising two children on my own recent divorce I was dealing with I made the issue very challenging. Although I was attending a good church and had good Christian friends, I just didn't want to talk to them because I felt like a failure, so embarrassed, so ashamed. I told a good friend of mine from high school and she supported my decision to go through with it. Interesting that she went to a friend high school and didn't come to a friend in the church. And there could be two reasons for that. Maybe she wanted to have the abortion and didn't want someone to counsel her against that because many times I find people that are trying to get advice, they go to people that think they're going to agree with them in the first place. But maybe the reason that she didn't come to the church for advice is because she didn't think the church would receive her in the mistake that she made. Going to the clinic, I felt alone and afraid, but I tried not to think about what I was doing because I would have broke down and left. After the procedure was finished, it all hit me like a ton of bricks. I went home and cried, what have I done? I immediately took another pregnancy test, hoping I was still pregnant so I could change my mind and keep my baby. The test showed positive. So I called the clinic, and the lady says, no, it's your hormones. You're, you're, you're not still pregnant started to pray and ask God to please forgive me for what I have done and that I was so sorry. I felt a relief and I felt forgiveness after my repentance. I'm writing you today to say stop and think, seek godly counsel before you make a decision. Talk to your pastor or a good godly person from your church who can help you make the right choice before you make the wrong one. That's a person that's benefited from our crosswalk uh, ministries. 
So I appreciate the emails that I've received on this hot topics, and I appreciate the ones that you'll send me this week as well. And um, I just want to say a few things about politics this morning. Um, first of all, don't attach God to your politics. Don't attach God to your political party. Don't attach God to your issue, to your certain belief on that issue. Don't attach God to liberalism or conservatism or libertarianism. Don't attach God to your politics. Because I, as I look at Scripture, he's all over the place politically. He's all over the place politically. Some places he's very, very conservative. Jesus said, not a single jot or tittle will be gone from the law until all is accomplished. Nothing will be erased. Sounds pretty conservative to me. Conservatives like to hold the line, hold the standard, keep things the way they are, tried and true. But then a few verses as well, down in the same chapter, he says, you have heard it said, don't commit murder. You have heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you, well, that sounds kind of liberal to me. He's changing the tried and true ways. He's changing the way things that are. Can't you imagine how those pharisaical conservatives felt about that? You have heard it said, but now I say to you, that sounds liberal to me. He goes on in that same Sermon on the Mount and takes another conservative slant. He says, um, you need to enter through the narrow gate. That's pretty conservative. Liberals like to be inclusive. They're proud of their diversity. It's a big tent. Jesus says, you enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate that people are on that are leading to destruction. Matthew 25, Jesus is talking about the end times, and he's separating the sheep from the goat, putting some on the right hand and some on the left hand. And do you remember what the criteria was? Who was going to be on the right and who was going to be on the left? Who was going to be a sheep and who was going to be a goat? In Matthew 25, you can go there and read it. It was how you treated the poor. Now that sounds very liberal to me. Read it in Matthew 25. Well, we didn't know, the sheep said, we didn't know that we were... We were we were giving you a drink of water when you were thirsty. And Jesus says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. And the people on the, on, on the left, the goats, he said, we didn't, know, we didn't know we were doing anything against you. He says, well, when you didn't do it for the least of these, you didn't do it for me. Now, that is very liberal. Liberal churches are preaching that. Jesus also said, you must be born again. That's good old conservative evangelical stuff. James says, 
talks a whole lot. He said, you know, you've been talking about faith, you know. My brother Paul talked about faith. He said, I want to talk to you about works for a minute. And we who are con- conservative evangelicals, we say it's by faith one comes to Christ. And anything else is filthy rags. And anything else will damn you to hell if you're depending on any good thing that you did. But this, this liberal guy, James, says, no, it's, you, you better, better watch it works, too. As I read God's Word, and I could go on and on for the full message, he's all over the place politically. Don't put him in your political box. Don't put him, Mark, in my political box. We all have our political boxes. We all have our thoughts. We all have our beliefs. Great. Don't put him in our little box. That's a horrible sin I commit. When I say God can't work out of my framework, that God can't work out of my box, here is the only box I should keep him in. That's the only box I should put him in, the box that he's chosen to reveal himself through this written word. Don't attach, don't attach God to your politics. You can be a Christian and vote for Barack Obama. Don't think that when Republicans have the White House and the Senate and the House of Representatives, things are going to be okay because we've had that and things are worse now than they've ever been. And it's not all the Democrats' fault right now. It took many years to get $14 trillion in debt. And the lack of backbone from people on both sides of the party. Don't attach God. That's why the church board will never hear me, never, ever, ever, ever hear me say, God told me. Because I don't know if God told me or if last night's pizza rumbling in my belly. Because when you say God told me, you end the discussion. How can another board member disagree with God? I'll say this is what I'm sensing in my spirit. I'm I'm sensing this. But as soon as you say God told me, you end discussion. We've got to have a dialogue. Whether it's on a board or, or it's on anything. Don't attach God to your politics. When I do that, I make a terrible, terrible sin. Commit a terrible sin. But also, don't separate God from your politics. He is Lord of all. And you can't have your political beliefs over here and and your Christianity over here. It's all got to be meshed together. It's all got to be together. And the way you choose to vote has everything to do with your Christianity. Everything to do with your Christianity. And, and, and when I go to the voting booth, when I go to the voting booth, I go as a Christian with Christian core values, with Christian principles, just as anyone else, just as a Buddhist goes to the voting booth with his principles, just as an atheist goes to the voting booth with his principles. That's the glory of the United States of America. But Christian, don't separate God, from your politics, it's all together. Do you remember? This is not a political statement, but I remember this like yesterday. I remember in one of the 04 debates, 
John Kerry was asked about his religious views. And he was saying that he was an altar boy and Catholic. And he was trying to convince everybody how religious he was. Because if you're a politician running for office, you've got to be religious. Okay? On both sides. And I, I've not seen too much Christianity over e- out, out of either side, to be quite honest with you. But John Kerry said he's got all these core, core values and he's, he's raised as an altar boy. But he, said he, but he said he sets those aside when he governs. kidding me? I was so upset with the president. The election should have been over if the president just had the sense enough to be able to say, well, here's the big difference between John Kerry and I. I have a certain beliefs and core values, and if I can't look myself in the mirror every single morning if I've governed some other way other than my core values. Election's over. You cannot set it aside for some political correctness if you are truly a son or daughter of the living God. Scripture melds them both. Do we have Matthew 22 on the screen, please? Probably Matthew. Yeah, there it is. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him. Who's him? It's Jesus. Trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. One little screen with one word on it. That's cool. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? This is a political question. This is a political question. But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the taxes. They brought him a denarius. And he asked them, Whose portrait is this and whose inscription? Caesar, they replied. Then he said to them, give to Caesar what is Caesar. Give to God what is God's. He answered a political question, speaking about a political arena there. Paul agrees with him in Romans. I think Jeff is at chapter 13 of, of Romans. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. Now that doesn't mean God chose the president of the United States. Now, that's been interpreted that way, but that, that means that God has chosen that there be a governing authorities over us. It doesn't mean that God chose who the president of the United States was. And if you believe that God chose George Bush, you have to believe that God chose Bill Clinton. And God chose Barack Obama. You can't have it both ways. It's just that he has chosen that there be governing authorities. There is no governing authority that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, who rebels against authority, that's not the president. It's not the governor. It's just governing authorities. The authority. Who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. The government. Not a person. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. What else do we have? This is why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full-time governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. First Peter, I believe Jeff has some corresponding things. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king 
as a supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. You, 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 we can't separate. I, 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 can't separ- I can't become a separatist. If I'm a Christian, I can't become a separatist and go live my life totally separate from everything, totally separate from government. I'm not going to do, pay any taxes, and I'm just going to totally rebel against that because if I do that, I'm rebelling against the governing authorities that God said is okay for us to be able to put ourselves under. Don't separate God from your politics. And the fall of November 2012, there'll be all kinds of voter guides that will come out. None of them will be impartial, depending who put them out. Here's the only impartial voter guide. It's only one. Take this to the voting booth with you as you make your decision. Well, let me finish. We, we, we should not, I should not attach God to my political belief or my party. You know, I, I don't know when the moral majority and the religious right, all that stuff started. I'm not sure we're any better off 30 years afterwards. I'm sure the corruption that we've seen by Republicans is just as bad as the corruption we've seen by Democrats. So I don't attach God to a party, but I don't detach God from my political viewpoints. But most of all, but most of all, I don't put faith in politics. I put no hope in politics. It's temporal. It's temporal. This world will never be changed in Washington, D.C. I don't care who's in the White House. I don't care who is the Speaker of the House and Senate Majority Leader. This world is only changed, Christian friend, one heart at a time, as that individual heart repents and believes. It's the only way the world's changed. Government authorities are there. We should take a part in the political arena. Don't, don't think all of a sudden if Roe v. Wade is overturned that abortions are gone. There'll still be coat hangers in the back alley. Because abortion is a spiritual issue, as we talked about last week. I, I, I went to a plan, I went to, not Planned Parenthood. I went to a Right to Life Crisis Pregnancy fundraiser. And the, the speaker had a scar right here. You know what that scar was from? His mother tried to board him with a coat hanger. It's not going to be changed by anything that happens in D.C. Hope and faith is in Jesus Christ. And your political party could be out of office for the next 30 years. And you can still have revival in your spirit. People can still be one to the kingdom. Ministry can still be going on. Ministry. Got a couple of scriptures as we finish. Your faith should not be in politics. 
For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. Democrats and Republicans are weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine powers to demolish strongholds, the weapons we should fight with, the spiritual weapons. That's why you don't go out and bomb abortion clinics. It's a weapon of the world. That's the way the world fights that. Mac told me this morning something that we want to be able to do with the schools and the superintendent that said no, and my first inclination is, I'll call the mayor. I'll call Steve Alex. He's in our church. He's on the school board. Why wasn't my first inclination to pray? That's how unspiritual your pastor can be. Weapons that we use are different. I have one more scripture. Everybody wants the world to change, the United States to change, the United States to come back to God, God to heal our land. Well, if we get the Republicans in, everything will change. And by the way, I voted Republican in every single presidential election that I have ever been old enough to vote in. But don't think, but don't think that somehow politics is going to heal our land. The Bible says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal, heal their land. Isn't that interesting? He says, if Christian people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn you Christian people from your wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin, their Christian sins, and will heal their land. It seems like to me that verse tells me that revival is ready for the taking. If these Christians will seek my face, humble themselves, Turn from the wicked ways. Revival, healing can happen. Everybody prays for revival as we should. Seems like that, that I have a lot of responsibility in bringing revival to this land. And if I want revival in my spirit, I can have it tomorrow if I want it. I can have it tomorrow if I want it. And it doesn't make any difference who's in the White House or what law has been passed or how many gay marriages they have in New York City. Don't put your faith in politics. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground, including and especially political ground, is sinking sand. It's temporal, friends. It's temporal. So I stepped on everybody's toe and make sure. Is there anybody I haven't stepped on? Stepped on mine. Because I, uh, I enjoy listening to those talk shows and those TV shows just like you do sometimes. My wife just hates it. You know what she says? You know what she says when, when I'm watching Handy and they're arguing so much you can't even tell who's talking? She goes, how does that take you closer to Christ, Mark? How 
How does, you, how does that take you closer to the kingdom? I said, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Grace and truth. No matter whether it's homosexuality, whether it's gambling, whether it's abortion, whether it's political or any issue we're dealing with. The finance team is having an issue now with DP&L. How do we deal with that? Grace and truth. Grace and truth. Because I'm really concerned about our witness and our testimony. And if we are to be Christ-like disciples, the Bible says Christ-likeness is grace and truth mixed together. I have no right to tell you who to vote for. And if any pastor ever stands in a pulpit in any church you're in and tells you who to vote for, you ought to run. You ought to run. Do not spend pulpit time. Do not spend time where God's word should be pre- preaching to talk about something as temporal as a candidate. Well, I'm done. We're not done with hot topics, though. Because as I look at God's word, he says his word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it divides fathers and mothers. And as I look at this world, it says Jesus Christ is pretty much a hot topic because the Bible says he's a stumbling block. So every single Sunday when we exalt Jesus as Lord and Savior, we're talking about a very hot topic that divides people, that people are forced to take a side on. Have you taken your side with Jesus Christ? Have you thrown your hat, not in the political arena, but have you thrown your hat with Jesus? That is the real question. A hot topic is not. Can we stand together, please? Father, I don't think the world will come to your son Jesus bus talking about uh, all these political divisions and all these hot topics as much as we talk about what Jesus has done for us. So help us, Father, as we invite our friends to back to church Sunday and help us to be able to talk about the unifying thing that all brings us together is the, the fact that there is redemption in the person of Jesus Christ. There is a changed life with a life that's laid at the foot of the cross. So while we have our opinions on all these hot topics, and while your word speaks to us on those hot topics, may we never forget that the topic is your son, Jesus. Help us be faithful to him this week. We pray these things in his name. Amen and amen. Have a good day.